All right. Yay. Ooh, I'm excited for our chat today. I know. Did you add some new notes to the outline? I did. I did because I, because I started looking up articles on cancel culture and I was like, oh my gosh, I went down such a rabbit hole of like all these great articles and research that's been done around it. It was really interesting. So yeah, I did add a few things. That is so funny because I did the same thing and I felt like I want to know what articles you read because I went down the Vox route and I felt like I was back at uni reading these really long essays (laughs) and I was like, this is actually really complex. I think it'd be really interesting to talk about it too from like when I was reading the articles and thinking more about it, I'm like, man, how... If you were standing face to face with someone and you were like, oh, I heard this great quote from, you know, Walt Disney, would they actually stand to your face and do that? Or is that like Internet courage where there's Mm. like no repercussions for you, like being totally inappropriate and disgusting towards somebody via an email or social media or whatever? Because like, you know, that like people have so much courage online. I was thinking about that the whole time I was thinking imagine if you're at a if you're hosting a party or you go to someone's house and there's maybe some people that you've never met before and maybe someone shares an opinion that you think oh gosh okay no I don't agree with that are you just going to stand up are you going to you know insult the person and then just leave like right that probably wouldn't happen in real life that's not how it would play out and this is what this topic brings up for me it's the way people and the process that the way it plays out online versus what would probably happen in real life. Yeah. All right. All right. Count us in. Three, two, one. Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia and Puerto Rico to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. Get ready for a candid convo with us, Nicole and Kate. Throughout this podcast, we'll be sharing our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. We decided that we're just going to dive straight in, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I think so. I was was about to, like, make a comment, say hi, and then I was like, oh, no, wait. Okay, we're not doing that. Yeah, no, no, no. Let's just go straight into it. Small swan dive for today. (laughs) Small swan dive, I know. (laughs) Ooh, Nicole, I'm so excited for today. And as we speak our intro, I'm sensing and feeling how relevant this topic is to our whole bit about providing space for one another, sharing, speaking without hesitation. I feel like this episode is going to be a great one. We're going to be talking about a topic that has gotten a lot of press and attention in the past few years, but based on both of our research and kind of diving into different articles and things on the topic, we know it is certainly not a new concept. Today, we are talking about cancel culture. So in a nutshell, cancel culture is when an individual is called out or ostracized from a social or professional group due to their position or comments on a particular topic. I'm sure we're 
all familiar once we get into a couple of examples of what this actually looks like and how it has played out maybe in our lives or in lives of friends or in celebrities that we know, what have you. Um, we'll dive into a little bit of that. And this topic was actually requested by a good friend of mine. She reached out and asked if we had any content on the topic. And as I thought about all the ways that cancel culture comes into play in our lives, especially with social media on the rise, I knew that it was a subject we should definitely cover. And I think that you agree. Yeah, 100%. So whether you have influence over a group of people, you create content on or offline that influences others' decisions and how they see the world or you've got an opinion to share and you're tired of holding back because of how others might receive it, this episode is for you. So Nicole, as we dive into this topic, we gave a quick definition of what cancel culture is for those who aren't familiar and definitely no judgment here because mm -hmm. there was a long period of time where I didn't know what it was either. And I feel like even within the past couple of weeks, kind of diving into articles and doing research, I'm learning so much more about it that mm -hmm. I didn't know before. Um, but yes, as we dive in, I'd love to hear from you um, on the topic of cancel culture. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't speak up or share because of this fear of being canceled? We're getting straight into it. Uh, that's a big yeah. question. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, it's something that is not super new, but I think the term was, it's, I feel like it's fairly new. So I don't know if I think back in previous conversations or situations I've been in, if I actually thought of the idea of being cancelled versus being af afraid to share an opinion because it might be unpopular. I know that's maybe just a mm. semantics, but I, I do feel that the concept of you're cancelled, people are cancelled, it's new to me because we talked in our, when we, we, we were catching up that pop culture and you know tabloids and that kind of press I don't really follow too much but okay have I been afraid hmm I was walking to a yoga class a few it was in December and it was like I was trying to make a 6 a.m class oh you're so I know good. it was one of those rare, <laughs> rare mornings I was actually meeting a friend so we were, you know it's it helps when you've got someone to buddy up with and Totally. Yeah. And so I was on my way. I was kind of rushing a little bit because, you know, it's 6 a.m. So this is December and in Sydney, we had been in lockdown since about the end of June. And so gyms and studios and a lot of non-essential businesses had closed, including a Pilates studio that I used to go to. And so, yeah, in that time I'd cancelled my membership. You know, I, I've gotten a personal trainer in between, but then in December, when things opened up, this yoga studio opened up again. And so I was walking and I ran into someone who I used to do Pilates with at the Pilates studio. And she's like, oh, I haven't seen you, you know? And I said, oh yeah, I, you know, I canceled my membership during lockdown and I'm now working with a personal trainer. So I have, didn't sign up again, but I'm off to yoga. I, you know, occasionally I like to do these classes. And she said to me, I used to go there, but I don't agree with what they've done. And uh, so I'm not supporting them. So what had happened here was, oh. yeah. So what had happened here was that the state government had decided that we'll open up on a certain date, but 
unvaccinated people won't be able to go to certain businesses. Until Mm -hmm. a later date, there was going to be a different date for them to open up, uh, to be able to go to certain businesses. Um, And the play was that we were trying to get to certain vaccination targets. It wasn't necessarily that we'd Mm -hmm. mandated vaccines, but I'm assuming we're trying to get to certain targets, so they're trying to stagger how many people can go and and interact. Mm -hmm. And this particular yoga studio apparently they opened up they got some backlash from the community because they were opening up and there was a discussion in the community that this is kind of supporting the segregated um approach to like vaccinated versus unvaccinated and they got a whole bunch of backlash and so people said oh you know we're not going we're not i'm cancelling my membership i'm not supporting this business anymore i had no idea that that actually happened right So at that moment, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I've got some opinions about this, but my yoga class is starting in five minutes and (laughs) I've already paid for it. It's 26 bucks. It's not cheap. So I'm like, I want to make my class and I don't know if I'm ready to engage in this conversation right now to say, yeah, I hear your point, but you know this is what I think. And I was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to get into this right now. So, you know, to answer your question, I think there are different times where in that moment, I think I just chose not to engage because I just didn't feel like, A, I didn't have the time. And I know that sounds like maybe I'm diminishing a very important issue, but I just, I didn't feel like it was a time and place to have that discussion. But if I were in a different situation where, okay, we've got more time and we can then open up, you know, a discussion around this, then, and we can have a back and forth, then I would probably be more open to actually sharing my opinion. Um, Even though I think like you, I'm not a super confrontational person, but then again, I do hold, I do have beliefs and values that I feel like i don't want to hold back on if I feel that someone has a different view and I just want to have that discussion, not necessarily to berate the person, but just to share my perspective, which is what we're trying to do, right? We're in our conversation. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that it opens up the potential for either a better understanding or a different perspective or, or maybe even just your ability to voice your opinion and, and feel good about the fact that you've been heard. But exactly like what you said, I find my myself in situations where I know that that's not that going to be the outcome. I know that it's not going to be a back and forth conversation. Um, and I feel like being a non-confrontational person and not really, um, that's just not how I want to expend my emotional bandwidth, that then I will choose to not engage in the conversation at all, which yeah, again, like, it's kind of, I want to voice my opinion. And I want to have those conversations, but you have to read the room, so Mm -hmm. to speak, like, does that other person or the other people in the room also want the same thing? Because if not, then, you know, you find yourself in a situation where it becomes an argument or, you know, people get supercharged. And, and I know that some people want to have those types of conversations. I'm just not one of those people. Mm, interesting. So do you, I mean, I, I also think that in the specific situation that you're talking about, I also wonder like, 
how much of the other side are people taking the time to understand, right? Sometimes we make judgment or make decisions based on not really having all the context. And in, in this particular situation, like just to play devil's advocate, I kind of think like, well, do you expect this business to go under mm. that they're not going to open back up? And, and like, it seems like a pretty smart business decision for them to say, okay, we can open, we're going to open. That's what I was thinking too. I was seeing it from that perspective as well. You know, I can understand from a business perspective that they, yeah, they don't want to go under. They actually have a community to support who are prepared to go. So, you know, they're serving that community. Um, and, and then it was very confusing with this um, conversation. And again, I didn't have time to get into it because then she started talking about how she has a friend who sends her emails that are very like conspiracy theory based and, you know, all these ideas. And she's like, look, you know what? You do whatever you want. If you don't believe in, you know, getting vaccinated or whatever, that's your problem. But please don't send me these these um, emails. And then I was like... You're saying that your friend was saying this to the girl who was sending her stuff. Yes, exactly. Uh, okay. Thanks for clarifying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so then in my mind, I was like, but hang on a second. Are you... So you are vaccinated? You do... But I don't understand. Where do you stand on this issue? And then I'm like... <laughs> almost six I've got to get to this class <laughs> gotta go but I was really curious to know like where do you stand exactly because from what you just shared I don't know where you sit <laughs> so yeah so I, I you know I think even though I don't want to always use the excuse of not of being non-confrontational I know that's kind of a default I think as I get older I feel more comfortable in having a conversation because I actually don't come at it from, I want to change the other person's mind. I want to see mm -hmm. where they're coming from. I want to see mm -hmm. their perspective and understand their perspective. So, because I actually, from a, from a default, I understand that it's probably unlikely that I will change someone else's mind, but by having the conversation, I can see where they're coming from and at least I hope that they can see where I'm coming from. And so it's that, you know, exchange of perspectives that I think, but I think to your point about the quick to judge and the assumptions, mm -hmm. that is where I see the danger or where I think, oh, whoa, okay, this cancel culture thing, it's pretty, um, it's scary because I feel we're inundated with so much information. I think that most people don't spend the time to really look further into what's being presented. You might read a headline, mm -hmm. so-and-so's cancelled, they said this, and, and you just accept it and move on. And I think that is where it's scary because there's more to it, I'm sure, than what's being presented by mm -hmm. a media outlet or someone's social media post, Right. Yeah, it can feel very bandwagony, mm -hmm. like that you hear something and you immediately take it as truth. And now all of a sudden, maybe an influencer or a celebrity or a world changer or, you know, an author or, you know, any number. We have a lot of examples that we'll link up in the show notes today of like, you know, recent and let's say in the last like five, 10 years or so of people who have, quote unquote, been canceled um, and what that looks like, because 
if you can really that quickly go from maybe really inspired by and looking up to somebody to all of a sudden feeling like this person doesn't matter anymore. And, and, you know, you and I kind of started having the conversation. I'd love to have it now, um, of like, what does that mean about their work mm -hmm. and how they've inspired or, or elicited some type of change in, in the world? Um, because for you to be so quick off a headline mm -hmm. to say, okay, this person doesn't matter to me anymore. And the work that they've done, I think should be essentially erased is what, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a lot of these calls to arms have been about that just kind of, it seems a bit irrational to me. Now I'm not saying that in every situation, mm. I do think that there are things that have been called mm. to the forefront that, you know, people really should be paying attention to and learning from. And, and that's maybe for later <laughs> in our conversation, because one question that I kept coming up with as I was reading these articles is what type of change is this really creating is it creating mm. any change or is it just creating this like flurry of like people having all this quote-unquote power on social media to like voice all their opinions and say all this nasty stuff but for what mm. like you know where's the lasting change in that yeah that's what was coming out like when I was when I had read a couple of those articles that were that we're going to link up to it was the weird thing was that I didn't expect was that cancel culture was actually not producing the desired effect because in some cases that in some examples that were given that person's um popularity and sympathy actually rose from the other side right and so yeah. it was like oh well then is this actually working does it really exist if it's not going to have the consequences and the impact that it's supposed to have yeah it's so interesting right and, 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 and like that question can you separate the work, the art from the person, you know, work that's been created before. Can you separate that? Did you feel like it was coming up in what you read? I didn't feel like it was being addressed that much. Well, I think probably uh, to me personally, the most prominent thing that I read um, in the articles that I was taking a look at was around the Harry Potter mm. series and an author, JK Rawlings. And, um, and that whole situation of like, kind of seemed like maybe for a minute, people were upset and like, not wanting to support mm -hmm. the work. And in which case, it, it seemed as though they were not separating that. Mm -hmm. But then, to your point, that kind of also seemed like one of the scenarios where she became even yeah. more popular, and like the books became even more popular after that. So yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, I've, I've been hearing a lot of like recent stuff too, about how, um, perhaps they're going to be changing or like redubbing some of like the Walt Disney mm. movies for inappropriate scenes and stuff. And so like, how does that work? I mean, that's like, you know, that's someone's work that they're not here to defend. And oh, that's a good one. <laughs> like, how, like, how does that go down? You know? Mm. Yeah. I, I like, I, I'm still, yeah, it's definitely a question that I'm grappling with. Like, can you separate the person from the work? Because there's also the other thing that kept coming up was this just very binary, like, and and it just comes down to the process of the way it plays out. It's and and probably the most one of the most problematic things is that it's so right and wrong, black and white, and 
-hmm. There's no room for that dialogue discussion because I think ultimately if the if the goal is to bring more awareness and shed light on some really important issues then the shaming doesn't work i don't think it works if you mm-hmm. because that person is just going to be stuck in that shame and anger versus giving them the opportunity to see the other side and to have a really healthy discussion. And I know that sounds idealistic because that might not be how it plays out, but I think in the real world that would be how it would play out if, you know, we're in a real life context, there might be an opportunity to have that discussion and back and forth where you want to say to the person, well, have you thought about it this way? But the way it seems to play out online is just that cancel, move on it's done. Well, it just creates like a PR nightmare and like a media frenzy around a topic. And then the actual point is really right. It's a distraction almost, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Well, and I think about a couple of, um, examples that I've heard about where someone's being called out for something that has come up that maybe happened like 10 years ago. But to your point, where's the conversation about like, hey, you said or did this thing 10 years ago, like, Hmm. let's talk about that and actually bring to light perhaps how or why that person's mind has changed Hmm. or what they've learned, um, you know, since then and maybe how they don't have that view at all and they didn't know, not that Mm. that makes it right. But again, I'm having a hard time after like looking into it, finding where this is a productive thing. The way it plays out, because when you, when, when you say that, then I think, imagine if it happened to me, imagine if I had said something inadvertently or, or did something 10 years ago that I no longer feel like, Oh, that's, that's, yeah, I've grown from that or I've changed. Um, you know, is mm-hmm. there an opportunity to, to redeem oneself? I mean, I think that the problem is too, that maybe it's all around like celebrities and, and so they have a, a, a bigger platform. So they're held to a higher standard, but from a personal and, you know, day to day, everyday person, I think we still need to have that accountability. But I think what plays out is more likely an opportunity to, for redemption, for forgiveness, for explanation. Whereas I don't think that happens Mm -hmm. online. And I think there's just so much that we're bombarded with that people just move on, which kind of plays also in favor of the cancel culture. Cause I think I was reading too, that people move on so quickly that people forget. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. so I think for me, it's more just the process of this very binary right, wrong and a lack of discussion and dialogue that opens that, oh no, that person's canceled. Don't talk about them anymore. Don't talk about their work, mm-hmm. but let's talk about the actual issue and yeah. yeah. Right. And I think that to your point of like, you know, for the the everyday individual, if you will, where, you know, you're not a celebrity, perhaps you have an online platform, which both of mm-hmm. us do, then is it fair to feel? Well, I guess, okay, let me phrase this differently. I feel like there are times when I would, if I were in a conversation, 
at my house with some friends bring up a topic and hope to have an open discussion about it. And there are certain things that I have opinions on or that I agree with or disagree with that I will hesitate to really put out there in a public sense because of, to be honest, a fear of, you know, what other people, how they might take it or, yeah, have, I mean, have you, yeah, I guess that kind of goes back to the beginning, right, of your example with your, with the conversation you had with your friend kind of on the go of like, if you would have had the time, do you think that you would have had that conversation? I don't know that person super, super well, but I think I would have. I feel like in the example that you, you know, you're talking about as business leaders, you know, taking a stand on certain things. Um, yeah. How does it play out in like a business sense as an authority or an influencer, if you will, with your particular audience? Like, of course, you guys have a lot of people mm-hmm. who follow you and who are a part of your software and, yeah. um, yeah. And fo- and follow the show, the hundred dollar MBA. And mm-hmm. I think, I think Omar and I don't, are not so much afraid of sharing and taking a stand on things that we believe in. And I think that played out um, during Black Lives Matter when we sent out an email, um, which we got some backlash, people unfollowed, people, you know, wrote back really quite, (laughs) how do you put it? (laughs) Very um, colourful, colourful, nasty, um, you know, responses. And, Mm -hmm. but we were okay with that because... These are. This is something that we felt was important and relevant, and mm-hmm. and I think as a business or as a brand, I've learned that it's okay to not please everybody. I'm okay with that. I mean, one of the articles I was reading is I think it was a university admissions. A professor was saying that students will censor themselves because they're afraid of the Twitter mob. And, you know, the word mob kept coming up, um, mm. which kind of points to a little bit of, and I kept also thinking about parallels of the witch hunts, you know, you're just mm. ready to pounce on anyone um, quite willy nilly or quick to judge and quick to assume without learning a little bit more. And there are serious consequences there. Right. Well, and I think that that also ties into what we were, we mentioned a little bit earlier is like, where do you cross the line of like accountability or, you know, hopefully the goal of education versus, you know, just a straight bullying or Mm. butchering of someone on, and, and like, you know, we've said this before too, this certainly isn't like a new idea that's been happening for a long time, whether they call, you know, cancel culture or or call it something else, even before social media. But I feel like people are almost, um, they have a lot more bravery when it comes to explicits and, and being nasty when, when they don't have to be face to face with someone. I mean, we've gotten like some pretty you said colorful earlier. <laughs> yeah, putting it emails and and comments and such that I'm just like, would this person ever say that to someone's face? And if they would, like, what does that, what does that say too? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm often like astounded by some of the interactions that I see in in the support portal um, or, yeah, reactions to something like an email going out, even like emails that maybe a headline is a little bit risky or a bit different from Mm -hmm. the norm. Just (laughs) the way people are prepared to talk to via an email, via a chat to other human beings it it really blows my mind and I think I don't know if if people see that every day if they're not in a business I mean I think we just get to see a lot more communication um, when you've got a a large audience and you've got you know a lot of emails Mm -hmm. and chats going in and out so you will see and I'm often just wow like that's I'll even just be really surprised at sometimes some of the interactions and then I realize oh that person has a business has a brand has a has a has a social you know presence right but look at the way they're talking to one one of the support staff like it's just mm. horrible and it's sick it's real yeah and I just and I think this is yeah, this is one of the th- things that we're living with, right? With social media and, and trolling and online bullying. It's, it just brings out this side of people that it's sad, right? And I think when I was looking at this whole culture, cancel culture thing, it just keeps coming back to the idea of we're so quick to tear somebody down. And I'm, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I'm just thinking about the process because I often think like that could happen to either one of us. And mm-hmm. whoever's doing that tearing down is not really saying the whole picture or they're using it as a way to, for their own power play. Um, and so I just feel like talking about this topic, it just... For me, the most important thing is like, is there a healthy, empathetic discussion, dialogue that comes out of the situation? Because I don't believe that if you shame someone, they're just going to sit in that shame and anger and they're not going to make the progress that you want them Mm -hmm. to make. Well, and I think it's quite sad to imagine how many people are not at all sharing their opinions or their knowledge or, you know, what they believe to be true because of the fear of what other people will think about it or what a particular group might think about it. I mean, if you think about online education, with which both of us are in the mm-hmm. space of, you know, where, of course, not everyone is going to agree with, you know, somebody saying that, online courses is the best and, you know, most impactful way to build a business. But that doesn't mean that somebody who does believe that online courses are, this is of course, taking the examples to a far um, different space. Right. But I don't, I don't feel like online, if you're educating or sharing knowledge or sharing an opinion about something that you believe or, or a particular way that you believe something can or should be done, that you should be afraid to share that for fear that you're going to, you know, receive nasty emails or, but to your point before, I mean, Hey, if people don't agree with it and they want to unfollow you, like here's the unsubscribe link. I mean, at what point do you just say, this is what I believe? And yeah, this goes exactly back to your point, which I totally agree with you that, um, if you don't agree with my opinion, I respect that. And here's the unfollow or unsubscribe link. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about 
what is a different process or like, how do you actually get to a place where these are productive conversations rather than shaming? I feel like, and in any of those scenarios of like any of the support tickets you've witnessed or emails you've received yourself, social media comments, whatever it might be, if the message were simply, hey, I just heard you say this, or I saw this, or somebody said that you did this, and opened up a conversation about it versus uh, you're a terrible human. And I can't believe you would do this. I hate your brand now. I'm never going to follow anything that you do. And I'm going to tell all my friends to unfollow you too. Like, why wouldn't you just start a conversation around it? And I, I mean, I honestly think that in a lot of scenarios that it really has nothing to do with you or that thing. Mm. It has to do with like a personal anger scenario experience that that person is having and they're looking for someone to take it out on. Yeah. Didn't you say it before? It's like jumping on a bandwagon or just this Mm. division that just, then I can feel like I belong to a group because it's, Mm -hmm. and that's, I think ultimately the problem is this very binary us and them. And yeah, I keep repeating myself, but the way it plays out is, it distracts from the core issues, the the issues mm-hmm. that, you know, the people that are marginalized, the, the causes that, you know, need to be brought to light and, you know, issues there that, you know, we need to talk about because we're distracted by this, the, the consequences, whatever's happened to that person. Um, that seems to be more interesting than the actual issues at hand. Um, and... Well, yeah, I think if we just kind of bring it full circle too, and go back to the con- like what cancel culture even is or how it's defined. And, um, you know, again, we have some articles linked up and, and things, examples of, you know, what has gone on in the last several years around this idea. Um, but interestingly enough, in a lot of the things that I was reading, it's kind of it almost questions whether cancel culture even exists because if it is just this frenzy media online thing, but then everybody forgets about it and that person goes back to, you know, whatever spotlight they were in before, then what is it all for? What does it mean? So, I mean, if, if, given that neither of us are experts on cancel culture, we should have said that up top. Um, do you feel like it exists? Do you think it's a thing? That's a good question. I've heard people say that it doesn't exist because as long as there's always been an audience who can comment, you know, there's been a performer, an artist, a piece of work, and there's an audience on the other side that can uh, comment on that, then there's always been that power of the audience to say, I don't like that you know, that, Mm -hmm. that's not cool. That's not interesting. That's crap. And like, I'm not interested in this person any longer. And then, yeah, I can, I can see that, but the, I think the way it plays out, yes, that's always happened. There's always been a piece of work and then people that comment on it, right. That has existed since going back to, I don't know, um, ancient theater. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but the way it plays out now with social and social media and 
I guess just the tools that people have now to voice their opinions yeah. and, and the way they can share those opinions. Then I, I think the consequences, uh, the repercussions, the way it plays out is different. So I think it, it does exist. I mean, if we're reading all about it, but again, is it just a distraction for, you know, really just talking about important issues that need to yeah. be talk, talked about? which is giving it this yeah. name. It's such a great point because if if you think of all the time, and, and there are certainly a plethora of resources on cancel culture, what it is, how it's played out, the history of it. And yeah, sure, there, are, you know, it's a, an important topic because it's, it, it's there, you know, to your point, I do think it exists to the extent that we talk about it and write about it and all of this. But what if all of that time and energy was spent on speaking about the issues that this so-called cancel culture mm-hmm. is calling out? Yeah. Um, or, you know, the, the call out, call out culture, which is kind of a, another baby of cancel culture, if you will. Um, yeah. Imagine if we got canceled because we were talking about cancel culture. Right. <laughs> I've thought about it during this episode. I really have. <laughs> would that be really ironic? <laughs> that would be very <laughs> meta. <laughs> but, you know, jokes aside, I think the topics that we try and talk about, um, that, yeah, they're conversations that we have as friends and in a setting where we're comfortable with one another, we respect one another, we're open to sharing different ideas. As soon as that conversation is moved to a platform that has an audience, all of a sudden then you're open and a target for cancel culture, whether mm-hmm. it exists or it doesn't exist. Um, so that's interesting. Well, and I think that then that that circles back to your point about if you're sharing you know, the knowledge that you have, what you currently believe, and you're open to that not being the be all end all. Again, I'm not trying to pretend or in any way communicate that I'm like a cancel culture expert. This is literally something that I started researching more about since we talked about doing this episode. You should be proud to voice your opinion and and what you believe. Yeah, if it's important to you, mm. then you shouldn't be afraid to voice it or share it because of. Yeah, because then how, how far does this go then? I think that brings up questions of censorship and free speech, all of that mm-hmm. stuff, which is yeah. other layers and, and aspects of this conversation, which is why I felt like I was, you know, back at uni reading some of these articles. But <laughs> um, I think. I always think about in any situation where there's an extreme response to something um, or an extreme point of view, I always feel like there's always more to it. And I feel that if you're just quick to make an assumption or you're quick to say that this is the way it is, um, there's just more to it a lot of the times. There's more to a solution to a problem. There's more to, you know, something that's being presented an idea. No, I think what I think we I think we can definitely say that we agree on one thing for sure. And that's the process and in which all of this is taking place that for 
there to be forward movement and a positive outcome. It can't just be calling someone out, trying to cancel them so that nobody follows their stuff anymore. And then that's it. And, and that kind of seems like what is largely happening. Yeah, and maybe a great way to sum this up too is something that I read from the one of the Vox articles was from former President Obama where he denounced cancel culture and woke politics. And he was saying that people are just being as judgmental as possible about other people. And he added, that's not activism, which I think is really interesting. This mm. This kind of speaks to... Is it just a way to quickly judge someone and label them and being judgmental? And we're mistaking that for for activism. Yeah, for speaking up. Yeah, like actually making a difference. Because mm. yeah. the way it plays out yeah, is so was, quick, was, right? It's just so mm-hmm. judgy. And then right. what are the consequences? Is there real change after that? Or is it just ah, moving on? Who's the next person that we can attack? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I have a judgment, I think is a, a great, um, yeah, it just came up for me a lot when I was reading about it. And even in our conversation, you said it earlier in this episode of like how much of this is just judgment, not, you know, a two way conversation, not productive and, and yeah, not activism. All right, Nicole. Well, as we close out today's chat on cancel culture, friends, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two that you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, if you enjoyed this conversation, found it helpful, and you have a friend in mind who might also find this conversation useful or helpful, share it with them. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate Can Relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.